start by cutting to the chase directly. Can we impeach Tom Ricketts? I've been consulting with my attorneys. I've been consulting with my people. And unfortunately, I don't see a legal path to impeachment. I ah, it is what it is. We're, we're stuck with him till the end of his term. <laughs> Pelosi! <laughs> it's... Uh, can you can you imagine if so if you'd gone back in time to 2016 and told your November 3rd 2016 Ryan Tomer yourself, hey, in less than five years we're going to be hating the man who's holding this trophy aloft for all to see, would, would you have believed it? No, I, I wouldn't have believed it. And to be honest, I've been such a late adapter with this. I'm sort of a Johnny come lately. Um, I've been willing to give a lot of things the benefit of the doubt, and some things that people hate. I really like, like, <laughs> I love the changes to Wrigley Field. I love the changes to the neighborhood. Like those have upset some people and I'm very into those. And despite everybody saying things to the contrary, you know, payroll wasn't really cut before this year. Um, they cut new spending. They totally stopped new spending. But I fully convinced myself that once they were back under that luxury tax, you know, they were going to be spending again, just as they had shown us that they were willing to do before. And, you know, they have, they have disabused me of that notion pretty quickly um, because this season has clearly, this off season has clearly been all about cutting costs. They are safely under the luxury tax and are continuing not to spend. So I guess the answer to your question is I would have never believed it, but I, I certainly believe it now. Yeah. And honestly, given every baseball owner, we shouldn't be surprised at, at some point when there's a heel turn because I, I would assume, I mean, the Mets love their new guy now and, you know, the Padres guy is doing everything they want. But I would venture to guess, given the pattern of the way the sport works, three or four years down the road for them, it might be a little different. But uh, I, I, th I think for owners, we should assume that they are people we would not really care for their politics or their ideologies or the way they spend their money unless they explicitly prove otherwise. Um, I know there was some news about the owner of the Giants today and some of the political donations he's made in the mm -hmm. past year. Maybe you didn't hear about this. I didn't hear this. Um, no, please. Enlighten for for anyone who's not a fan of Marjorie Taylor Greene or QAnon, they won't they won't particularly like the donation choices that he made. Oh boy. <laughs> I'll leave it oh. I'll leave it at that and encourage folks to Google it. Oh um, no. but yeah, I mean I, I and I guess I do at least still stand there. I don't think this is defending the Ricketts, but I I sort of refuse to believe that they are uniquely bad. I believe that they are resetting, and I think that is frustrating and should not happen for a team with this payroll and this market but you know that's also happened in boston and it's inexcusable in both cases but you know i, I think this is a problem of baseball ownership and in what the incentive structure is and, and for, i just don't think they're incentivized to compete and that sucks yeah I, I think one of the things i'm learning through baseball ownership like the ricketts and like john henry in boston is that one of the things it's kind of surprising to me that I least like about billionaires is that you have to remind them they're billionaires sometimes. Yeah, no kidding. Well, I think, you know, they certainly know. Um, but it, yeah, I mean, it, it's just incredibly frustrating to see to see the way they treat these teams when the reality is I, I'm not asking for the Cubs to up their payroll payroll to 500 million and just blow past the luxury tax, though they sure, certainly could. 
but there's not really a reason that they as a team need to go into the blow it up, build back up, blow it up again, rebuild cycle. That it seems like that might be where we're heading. Um, not in 2021. I don't think they're going to totally tank, but I'm a little skeptical about what they're going to do after 2021. Yeah, that's the thing. It's it's like, you know, it's certainly one thing to, it, and I think rational to say, yeah, we don't expect you to have like a, maybe a Dodgers payroll every single year because, I mean, just we know the way owners work. That's not re right. reasonable or realistic as much as it should be possible. Uh, but it's another thing to go into this year and still be thinking, could you, you know, at least make sure Anthony Rizzo stays a Cub? Like the guy everybody loves the most on this team, the face of the franchise. And that that's not a certainty at this point. No, it's not. And and it's also it's also just sort of a frustrating, it becomes sort of a frustrating exercise. Because if they're not intending to so so my and I'm stealing this a little bit from Brian Smith at Bleacher Nation, who was posting about it earlier tonight. Um, he seems to be of the view, and, and I think it's reasonable to think this, given the sort of 2024-2025 oriented return that I got for you, Darvish, given the fact that we have no extensions, and given the fact that, you know, the rumors around the Wilson Contreras return are sort of pointing to something similar to the you Darvish return. That doesn't really point to a team that intends to compete in a meaningful way in 2022, 2023, you know, we're talking 2024, 2025. And at that point, like, I don't, why, why, why are you extending Anthony Rizzo and Javier Baez? Because, you know, they're going to be in, I, I think I have more faith in Anthony Rizzo aging well. Um, but either one is not someone you want to give a long-term mega deal to if you're not planning on competing for several years. So it, even though they shouldn't be doing what they're doing, it, it sort of becomes this perverted logic where you buy into, all right, well, don't extend anybody, I guess, if that's what you're going to do. Yeah, but there, there's, I mean, the the emotional side of me just goes, but these guys won the World Series and they are Cub heroes for all time. And, you know, this is an organization that for all its faults and for all the stupid moves it's made between, you know, the Greg Maddox move and going back to the Lou Brock trade back in the day, this is an organization that knows how to identify the guys fans are linked themselves to and make sure mm -hmm. that they stay a part of this, this Cubs team uh, between, you know, Sandberg and uh, Sosa up until everybody turned on him after 2004 and going back, of course, to Banks, Santo, Williams, Jenkins. Like it's, it, it's, it, it feels weird to argue emotion over, Cold logic if we're talking about a complete hardcore reset at this point. But right. given the special nature of what these guys did and what they mean to us still today, like you can still hear in my voice a little bit. And I feel like I'm talking to my therapist when I use phrases like that. But like it, it would mean something extra if Anthony Rizzo was in another uniform. And it, it would be a real ugly feeling. Oh, believe me, don't take what I said presented as me advocating for it. I'm I, thinking I, I, ahead to what I can see the rationale being. Anthony Rizzo is my favorite cup of all time mm -hmm. by a considerable margin. The idea of seeing him in another uniform is just like devastating to me. Um, what, what, in a way that what, like... What, what is more devastating? Seeing him in another uniform or seeing him in cornrows? Oof. Well, I mean, I... <laughs> 
God, I, having already seen one of those, you know what? I, I'll take the devil I know, I guess, and say that the other <laughs> uniform would be worse. Um, but you know that that was that was pretty. Um, I, I'm glad he. Sh- I'm glad he shaved his head. Let's just put it yeah. that way. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, like an Anthony Rizzo and another, like Chris Bryant in another uniform was going to hurt. Um, but yeah, for me, and I think for a lot of other people, Anthony Rizzo stands out sort of in a mountain by himself. And I know some people feel the same way about Javi. Some people certainly feel the same way about KB, but yeah, it would be devastating, but it's, it, it's hard to know exactly what to expect. Ken. There's not a lot of yeah. reason to be optimistic. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And, uh, that's the best way to kick off, uh, another 2021 episode of Three Strikes You're Out. So let's do the credits and we'll jump right back on that topic in a second here. This is the Three Strikes You're Out podcast, part of the Outsports Podcast Network, the Outsports Baseball Podcast, episode number 58, the Dig This, Mike Borzello episode of Three Strikes You're Out. Yeah, had to go real deep cut with that one because the, <laughs> the other option was Jonathan Papelbon and no, sorry. Uh, the other voice you're hearing on this episode. My name is Ken Schultz, by the way. You know, Outsports, Baseball Perspectives, blah, 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 at this point. The other voice on this particular episode is friend of the pod, Cubs insider, writer, and the first guest I have had, and I'm pretty sure the first guest the entire Outsports podcast network has had to take the vaccine, Ryan Tomir is here. Ryan, how you doing? I'm I'm good. I'm feeling invincible. I, my, the third arm is really, you know, it's a, a distressing side effect, but I will get through it. <laughs> I, I am going to, I've got, I have two references from that. First, I'm going to crank the Pat Benatar, which is way too old. Uh, there are 40-year-olds who get that, I think. And the other is, is the third arm blind? So pick which musical reference you want that's at least 20 years old. I got the second one. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so let's just um, interrupt our fretting about Anthony Rizzo's faith for a second. Uh, let me just ask you, uh, what was your experience like getting the two vaccines? Um, well, so so I can tell you about my experience. It's, it's, it's probably different than most people's experience will be unless they're also in healthcare. Um, I, I mean, I got my vaccination series through work. Um, so like as a healthcare worker, I was offered the chance to get the vaccine. I, I think I got my first dose in late December. Um, so it was provided through work. I went to a clinic at work, got it, um, and got the second dose three weeks later. It went pretty, it it went off without a hitch more or less. I think they did a pretty good job within the health system, getting people the vaccines. I'm very curious to see how it's going to roll out to the general public and people who can't just get a vaccine done at work because they don't work with nurses and doctors and people who give you vaccines. But yeah, it was, it was, it was a seamless transition, um, and I feel very grateful to have it. And I hope you have it soon. And I hope everybody has it soon. Yeah. Like I, as soon as my category, I guess, comes up. Yeah. I will, I will be, at, I don't know, first in line or first trying to get an appointment as, as quickly as I can, because, and with the vaccine, I mean, that, one of the incentives I have in the back of my head is there is a non-zero chance that I could see baseball in person after getting a vaccine this year and feel at least somewhat com- comfortable with it. I think there's a pretty high chance. Where, where's um, comedians and baseball writers on the, <laughs> on, the, on the tier list for the vaccine? <laughs> well, all baseball writers are immensely at least 85 years old. So I think that helps a bit. Uh, yeah. Comedians, you just have to. <laughs> I'll, I'll get in line behind Dick Van Dyke. I'll let him get it first. But, uh, but yeah. Just age your musical references a little bit <laughs> and you'll get the vaccine a little yeah, sooner. Yeah, my, 
half of my references are already eligible at this point, I think. But, uh, there you and, go. Uh, you, we were discussing before we started recording that uh, you feel more confident stepping out now after afterwards, just kind of psychologically. Well, I mean, you know, I, I, I do, the second dose for me isn't even technically fully effective yet. I think it's, again, I want to clarify, I'm an occupational therapist, not a doctor, so not everything I say is right. Um, but I believe the second dose is supposed to fully kick in after seven to 10 days, which it hasn't been for me quite yet. But I did feel that I was felt safe enough to venture into Trader Joe's today. I've been doing Instacart <laughs> for quite a while. So it was nice to go back to Trader Joe's and get my coconut chocolate covered almonds and, you know, my frozen Indian food and all that stuff that I've been missing for a little bit. Nice. Um, but yeah, like I will say, you know, it, it's encouraging. It just feels like a step back into normalcy. Um, when it's just me, it doesn't feel like I'm all that much back to normal. But when it starts to get to be close to everybody, we're going to be going to ball games. We're going to be doing that stuff. And I'm, I'm just excited. It feels like a step towards it. Yeah, absolutely. Like, and for me, like, and you know, I, I still have months to go before my category gets called, but just the idea that there is that finish line that does exist. Yes. That is really a lot to get me through the day right now. Uh, and it, it, <laughs> tell you the extent to which it makes me feel good. Like I cannot wait to get back to see the Cubs, despite what we've just talked about for the past 10 minutes. Like, and that's, that's the thing. Ricketts knows he has us, especially this year. Uh, so let's see, yeah, I dive back from hopeful optimism back into the morass of uh, baseball depression. And uh, let's, let's, uh, we touched on a little bit uh, with the return with the U Darvis trade. And I wanted to kind of dig into this because the day that the rumors started flying and it went down, you were one of the first I saw on Cubs Twitter to mention uh, something that I, I agree with that, it's not the worst idea in the world in a vacuum to trade you Darvish at this moment in time, 34 year old pitcher coming off of the best season he's had since at least his early Texas days um, coming back from injury too. So you don't know how long that's going to last. It's really, I mean, if you're going to get peak value for him, it seems like now would be the time to get peak value. However, if you define peak value, as Zach Davies and four teenagers, which is the worst fucking boy band I've ever heard in my life, at, in, with, with no context whatsoever. If, if you went to just any basic baseball executive and said, okay, this is the trade I think is appropriate to make for you, Darvish, the appropriate response would be, okay, you're fired. Now, Jed Hoyer is not going to be fired, and there are obviously very extenuating circumstances, but that's the thing. If, if you're trading you, Darvish, at peak value and you get that, like, other than your owner being completely cheap, what is the point of dealing you, Darvish, at this point? Yeah, I mean, and that's the frustrating part. And I was not only, I didn't just, like, buy into the rationale from a devil's advocate perspective. I thought it was a great idea for the Cubs to finally sell high on somebody. And I love you, Darvish. Like, I think every, like, not only is like, a great pitcher, he seems like a genuinely really good guy. Yeah. Um, so uh, there was certainly no ill will towards Darvish, but you know we've seen the Cubs not sell when guys are at their peak value. They have not done that at all with this front office or with this window. You know, they, obviously they've. You know, I, I, I'm going to walk that back immediately. Like Glaber Torres was a pretty high value. You know, Eli Jimenez was near his peak value. I, we're sorry. I apologize for bringing up Jose Quintana. Yeah. Well, we will jump into that. <laughs> Even in Bergman. Believe me. Uh, um, 
But but to me, trading Darvish represented a chance to sort of do a, a soft reload. Like there was no need to do a rebuild. But if you could get back something like a Jake Cronenworth and maybe a couple high-end prospects that can help you within the next two to three years, let's say. And let's say even if you got back Zach Davies in a vacuum, sure. But when Zach Davies is like the headliner of what you're getting and none of the, even though the prospects are highly regarded or somewhat highly regarded, you're not expecting them to help you until 2024. Like that's, that's a whole different thing. That is something that reeks a lot more of we're cutting payroll and we're going to get what the highest we can get. It feels a lot less strategic from anything but a payroll perspective. And that's the part that's really frustrating. Yeah, it's galling. And it also feels frustrating, too, that they're choosing a path that, as you say, is an intelligent thing to do if you're trying to extend a window of contention further out. But you're also doing it in an offseason where it's the worst possible environment to, mm-hmm. to try to pry some good prospects out of a team with a guy at peak value. Because at this point, we have evidence that, what, four teams out of 30 are competing at most right now? Or trying to get better. Right. So just like basic laws of supply and demand, like the there, I can't think of an off season where the demand could be lower for a pitcher of Darvish's caliber. And, and unfortunately, I guess that's why you have to say yes. When they say they'll just keep throwing guys under drinking age at you until you nod. Yeah. Well, and I think the thing is, I, I mean, and I fully believe that that's the best that they could get for Darvish, but I think there has to be at some point, unless cutting payroll is your primary concern, there has to be a point where you go, okay, well, we're just going to roll with Darvish then. Yeah. Um, and that certainly would have been the point for me. And I want to rewind to something else you said, like, I appreciate that they have finally decided to pick a path because I think this team has been content to sort of middle um, and they're in the kind of division where they can just sort of, you know, be middling, just sort of keep their nose above water and hope that is enough to win the division. And it was last year. Um, but I don't think it was a reasonable choice to choose the path where you're going to, you know, more or less not try to be a high caliber, very good team for at least the next three years. Mm-hmm. Like that's just not, that's not a reasonable path forward for a team that had so many of these guys on it. Yeah. It's, feels like again they're picking a path but it also feels like they're making the path much more painful than it needs to be uh right do you think that there's something to uh the jed hoyer soundbite uh in his news conference after the trade where he said that a lot of these teenage prospects are not necessarily going to be used to develop and then emerge as big league cubs that he might use them later down the line for further trades I, I mean, sure. It certainly makes sense. Like, and I think, you know, we heard Theo say that a lot um, in talking about how the once wanted Cubs farm system got depleted to acquire, you know, an Araldus Chapman who mm-hmm. helped contribute to a World Series title. I wish I, 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 it sucks to say that out loud, but it yeah. just is what it is. He helped contribute yeah. to a World Series title. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, you know, you deplete the farm system significantly by doing that, by trading for someone who you thought would do that in Jose Quintana, by by doing these win-now moves, you deplete your farm system. And yeah, so prospects have capital as trade chips. But I don't, that doesn't make a lot of sense here to me. Like w- these guys are all set to come up in, you know, three to four years. Um, I don't see them as 
trade ships before they're ready to come up. Um, so no, it, it, I mean, sure, it's possible, but it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, and I'm also, you know, I'm sympathetic to the situation Jed Hoyer is in. Like, I'm sure it's not his goal as a general manager to cut payroll for its own sake. I assume he's been given a mandate and he has to face the media. And when you're facing the media, you got to say stuff with your mouth and you just got to talk. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And, uh, yeah. And to your point from earlier too, that uh, he's not only given a mandate to cut payroll, but he's also having to make these big impactful headline trades without the ability to just completely walk away and say, okay, that's your best, then go fuck yourself uh, in so many words. And that's, I mean, the go fuck yourself is an essential part of being a general manager if you want to get the best possible deal. And it, it's so galling to me that, that when you think, look back on moves in the past four years that they made, that they've backed themselves into a corner both by getting this return for you, Darvish, and in trading Eloy Jimenez and Dylan Cease for Jose Quintana. Like the fact that the same organization made both of those moves and yes. tried to sell them to us as logical moves is, yeah, it's, it's rough to take. Yeah, I mean, and I don't, you know, it's hard to it's hard to look at some of the other deals, granted from a very different environment, and then look at the Darvish deal, and you know, it's hard to look at the Chris Sale deal, and then look at the Darvish deal. And I don't think Darvish had sales value, but it still makes you want to throw up in your mouth a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> it just does. <laughs> I'd, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd rather throw up on Tom Ricketts, but sure, I'll take it in my mouth right now. It's in a in an outsports podcast, that's that's a fun little uh, non sequitur. Yes, um, <laughs> to to awkwardly transition from that. I yeah, there, there's no say, way to other other than awkwardly. There's no way. Ahead. There's no way otherwise. So let's just we'll just keep rolling through. Um, <laughs> the the other thing that you sort of alluded to is Jed Hoyer is also in a position where you know you're just some guy and I'm just some guy. And we know for a fact that the Cubs are mandating that he cut payroll. So you can bet that, you know, AJ Preller and everybody else that he's talking to knows that. And they're just not going to, they're not going to have time for him trying to negotiate They're mm -hmm. They know what he has to do and he has to do it. Yeah. It's not a way to run things at all, man. Um, do you think that we're saying goodbye to KB or Wilson at some point this off season too? I, I mean, yeah, it feels inevitable and I, not that you asked this, but I'm sort of, I'm just bringing it up myself. I think that I think Wilson Contreras is the more likely of the two to be gone, even though he's the one I would least like to see gone because he is, I mean, he's cost controlled for several more years. Um, but if they don't intend on competing, that for the next several more years, who cares? Um, <laughs> theoretically, he's the you know the player that didn't totally bottom out last season, and you can probably get some decent value back, uh, decent value by the standards of this off season, which means some teenagers. Mm -hmm. um, but it is what it is. So if if I had to bet, I'd say the single most likely outcome is that they're both not Cubs um, at the start of the season. But if I had to bet on the next best thing or the next most likely thing, it would be that. Just Wilson is not a cup. Yeah. And Wilson also has Miguel Amaya coming up behind him too, which you would think would also give them at least an idea that we can move him and have what looks to be at least a major league caliber 
catcher and bat coming up in the next couple of years to replace him. I would obviously much rather keep him and have Amaya become Wilson's Caratini for at least a couple of years after that. But uh, right. Yeah, it, it, or, or frankly have Wilson, you know, have Contreras assume DH responsibilities, assuming there is a DH responsibility to be assumed, um, mm-hmm. which I, I would assume there will be, but you know, we don't even know for next season. So I, I am very public <laughs> in a slightly unpopular opinion that if not having the DH next year means we also don't have expanded playoffs, bring on the Kyle Hendricks at bats. Oh God. There's, I, I, I don't think I can get with you there. There's not, I'm, I really got spoiled by watching pitchers hit or by watching pitchers not hit last year. I'm, the idea of going back to it is truly dramatic. Yeah, I, I, and I get that. And yeah, it, it, it definitely is. I mean, when you don't have the one black hole in the lineup, it is a much different game. Uh, I just, as, as much as you hate the DH, is as much as I hate expanded playoffs. Especially, Fair enough. And especially it, if it brings the Marlins into, into the postseason. At, at that yeah, point. I mean, I, I assume a team better than the Marlins would have also beaten the Cubs, but I, <laughs> I take your point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The fact of the matter is the Marlins beat the Cubs and that is unacceptable just in any year. I, uh, I agree with you there. Yeah. Let's move on to uh, happier topics, which means we have to get off the field for a second. Uh, we'll, we'll start with, I mean, you are a Len Casper stand uh, among Len Casper stands from, from what I could tell yes. reaction to his leaving on Twitter and justifiably so. Lenny is, has been since he came to the Cubs in 05, everything I wanted in a broadcaster. And it was a really just gut wrenching surprise. The night we found out uh, that my dad texted me actually is how I found it out that uh, first Theo, then Schwarber, now Len Casper. And I was like, ah, and then went to Twitter and, and he went to the white Sox in their radio booth. And at that point it was just like, what what can we do to to stop the pain? Uh, and it turns out Boog Shambi is the solution to stop the bleeding on that. Uh, how are you with with bringing in the ESPN Sunday Night Baseball mainstay? Can I ignore that question and get back to it and just talk about Len for a minute? Yeah, by all means. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I'm very excited for Boog, and I'll get into that. Um, but yeah, I mean, when when the news that Len came through, I don't remember exactly what happened, but I had had a bad night. I think I hadn't slept well. Something happened. Woke up in the middle of the night, saw that news. Because if I recall correctly, it broke really late in the night, even though a lot of people found it early in the morning. Um, it was devastating. Like, And I, I wrote about this a bit for Cubs Insider, but you always are prepared for players to go. Like, As, devast- as, as much as it would suck to see Anthony Rizzo in another uniform, you're just fooling yourself if you don't expect to see your favorite players in another uniform at some point. It is almost always going to happen. Um, it just is. But Len, it had never even crossed my mind that Len Casper wouldn't be the Cubs announcer until he decided he didn't want to be a baseball announcer anymore. Um, so, <laughs> so, so that news was hard. Uh, I, I, I will not lie and say I cried, but. I'd be lying if I said I didn't come close. I, I think that news like was genuinely, you know, it affected me and I think it affected a lot of people, um, especially in a time where, you know, there's not a lot of good stuff happening, but Bukhshavi coming, that is something really great. Um, one of the very few moves I think they could have made. In fact, I, maybe you can tell me if you thought there was somebody else out there, but among the names mentioned, 
I can't think of anybody else who I would have viewed as this is a lateral move. And a lateral move from Lon Casper is an exceptionally good broadcaster. Yeah, unless you could pry someone like a Joe Davis or a Don Orsillo from like the one of the West Coast teams, or I'm I'm a fan of Dave Sims with the Mariners. Like I I was the only one trying to throw that out there, but I I think he would have been phenomenal. But yeah, Boog is certainly like of like all the guys who I think of as just top tier broadcasters that felt like I'm not sure like even as prominent as the Cubs job is that they might be able to to lure him away. Uh, it right. really felt like just, oh my God, like you did as well as you could, uh, despite the fact, and this is, this is my contribution to the, the Boog Shambi verse. Uh, this is the first time the Cubs have ever hired a broadcaster with whom I have started a Twitter fight. Which, hey, who knew? What did you fight about? <laughs> yeah. So during, during last year's playoffs where he and Chipper Jones were calling the games with the Cubs and the Marlins, uh, First of all, the lesson I get from this, and it should be just don't tweet at someone when the Cubs are losing, especially when they're losing the playoffs to the Marlins like that. Not a good idea. Uh, But they were going off at one point in the middle of the game, probably shortly after they rallied in game one, that Don Mattingly, shoo-in for manager of the year. uh, Incredible job he's done with this Mm. team. Take them from the depths to having to deal with so many roster moves during the season to this un unfathomable playoff berth that no one ever saw coming, you know, selling the basic, basic manager of the year narrative of no one thought we could do this. We were the only ones that believed in us. And, and uh, it was this leadership that led this plucky young band of upstarts to the, to the postseason berth. No one expected. Except as well, you know, the reason why they had so many roster moves during the season and nobody thought the Marlins would have been anywhere close to a playoff spot is because Don Mattingly didn't give a shit about COVID and the Marlins almost stopped the entire goddamn season after the first weekend of baseball, because they would decided to go out in Atlanta. And when some people tested positive, they decided, nah, let's play anyway. Let's, let's ask the shortstop because that's, you know, the, the medical authority you should go to. Uh, and I, I can't let that go that Mattingly decided that putting the, putting his baseball record as a priority over his player's health was, was going to be how he managed the team. And regardless of the performance after that, to me, that's the big story from his manager of the year last year. So that's a long way of explaining the mood I was in at that point. So I screenshotted, uh, my tweets earlier. Let me give me, give me a second to, uh, to call them up. So I tweeted at, at him somewhere probably around the sixth or seventh inning. Hey, at Boog Shambi, the Marlins are only an amazing story if you like catastrophically reckless behavior during a global pandemic. Stop trying to put a happy face on irresponsibility. You know, I was mad. And it, it yeah. Uh, and Boog's response uh, after the game was, you write for BP? Aren't you supposed to be smart? Oh, I'm, okay. Now I remember this. I did see this one that happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And well, I, I hope I you guys it. can bury the hatchet. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And I, I, I get it. You know, I, I was coming at him and he responded to me like I had heckled him, which I, I did. Uh, I, I was calling him out. I, I was right. And I, I will insist that I w- my point was correct. I was being a dick about it. Again, don't tweet when the Cubs are losing. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, so that well, you, could, you couldn't about. tweet it Don Mattingly, so you tweeted it Boog. I get yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, uh, but even even with 
the fact that, that we have beef. Uh, I love this movie. Like, Boog Shambi is, as we've talked about, a fantastic broadcaster. Also, just a great baseball sensibility on the air. That someone yeah. who knows how to make fun of himself, someone who knows how to relate to players. Like, just look up at the famous video of him and Chipper Jones going over how he got in Chipper's head during an at-bat late in his career. It's, it's, it's so incredibly well done. And Boog Shambi also, like, knows how to kind of talk player, but also talk baseball intelligent. So it's the best of so many worlds. You just took the words right out of my mouth. Um, well, and also, um, so he can talk player, like you said. Um, he's a smart baseball guy. I, I don't know if he's as smart as Lon Casper was, but I think Lon Casper is just a genius baseball guy. But he's a very smart baseball guy. He's going to be able to talk, you know, baseball analytics can talk that easily. Um, but more than what he brings that Len didn't bring um, is, you know, the player's perspective, like someone who's played a lot of baseball. Um, so it's going to be a really interesting perspective. And I think he's going to jive so well with JD. Yes. They're going to be such an incredibly good match. And I think everyone has said that everyone can see that right away. Um, the, the partnership that Len and JD had, like the partnership that Boog and JD had, had is going to be great. I'm really excited to see it, except that I don't get Marquee on my cable provider. So we'll see if I actually see it. <laughs> yeah, like I, I had uh, Hulu Plus this year and they just dropped it because Sinclair must have demanded something from them. So I'm not sure how I'm going to go if, if uh, it gets to the opening day and they're not on a streaming thing either. Exact same situation for me. Um, I had I had it on Hulu Plus last year and I, now I've switched to YouTube TV and I am not going to switch to accommodate. So I hope it comes to YouTube TV. Yeah, but without Marquee right now, we're missing Gonzaga basketball. <laughs> like, who? Who they? They promised this is something that would have twenty four seven Cubs content, and they may have made the decision that no one would want to watch that. But they're wrong because yeah. I would want to watch that. I thought it was going to be the MLB Network, except only Cubs. And <laughs> that, that, yeah. So it, it's. I don't feel like I'm missing anything this off season, um, given the con- the content isn't quite what I thought it would be, but I, I sure hope that I can get it um, yeah. in April because like you, I am ready to get hurt again. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, yeah. This off season, I'm sure it's like Bowling Green States live games interspersed with, Oh, and your favorite player just got traded. So yeah, it is just a nonstop parade of the best possible responses. I don't give a shit to what it's doing right now, which it seems like a bad way to run a network. Yeah, especially a brand new network that, you know, you haven't convinced everybody to switch cable companies for, or even for most cable companies to carry. You might, you might want to have content people want to watch, but and, and that, know, what do I know? Ties back into what we we're talking about, about at the very beginning is, again, this year of massive payroll cuts and apparently at least nodding in the direction of a drastic reboot at a time where you, in theory, are still trying to figure out how to draw eyes to the brand new network that you put a lot of money into starting up and is apparently a drag on your baseball budget. Like it's a Mobius strip of just bad decision after bad decision. It just, ugh. yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I'll be honest, I was really excited about marquee um, again, because I thought it would be a 24 seven Cubs network because I live under the L tracks and the, the train always disrupts my antenna. So games on WGN just annoyed me. <laughs> so there were reasons that I was excited. Just know what get, channel the game's on every single day. And 
like that it's managed to disappoint me somehow and to make me mad is like I'm 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 the last person to do it. I'm the last one off the boat. If I'm off the boat, no one's on the boat. Um, so it's really frustrating how bad this rollout has been and yeah. how uh, it, it just stinks. This this feels like a very stereotypical Chicago guy complaint to make, but I think it's nonetheless true that Marquee really reeks of what happens when you bring in a New York network executive to run a local sports channel dedicated to a team that the entire city is passionate about. Because so much of it seems to be dedicated to the idea of we're just going to make this look like as professional as we can. Yes. And make it, uh, we, everyone keeps going back to it looks like a national broadcast. And again, we knew what we wanted going into this season. Like we wanted essentially a continuation of the WGN and the NBC Sports Network broadcast with our guys, Lynn and JD, with don't just don't touch that. You got that right. No reason to, to mess up, mess that up. And then add in a bunch of other Cubs programming around it. And we've gotten none of those requests. I will. Len can write a book on this not being true. And I would go to the grave saying that he left in part because he didn't want to wear that damn suit. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, I agree with you. And when, you know, when, when, when Chris Myers was rumored as the favorite for those sort of horrific hours that that was rumored to be a foregone conclusion, like, even though that didn't happen, the fact that it was supposedly being considered just speaks to that point. Like that's not what we want is this sort of generic an announcer man with announcer man voice who doesn't have this local feel. Um, so I, my, I, I'm assuming, I'm, I'm choosing to believe that they heard the feedback for that and for once reacted accordingly yeah. and brought somebody who, you know, does come with those national credentials, but who like very obviously to anyone who has heard him can create that local feel. Yeah. Um, we'll see if they have to wear suits. <laughs> yeah, it would be hard not to hear that feedback, given that it's coming from everybody at this point. So it's a matter of, okay, how stubborn is the New York executive at this point? And right. yeah, you would assume they know that uh, they know how to make it better. And it's just a matter of, will you? So, uh, but yeah, Ryan, do you have anything else to plug while I still got you here? No, I don't. I, I should have come prepared with something to plug, but you know, I, I haven't written a ton on Cubs Insider this off season, but I hope to be writing more soon. So please, please check it out. Keep an eye out for new stuff, but I have nothing to plug at the moment. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah. It's great to, it's great to have you back as always. And yeah, let's plug getting the vaccine and then getting out to the damn ballpark some point this summer. I will definitely plug that. Awesome. Great to talk my friend. You too, Ken. I'll see you.